who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. You're in charge of the big red button. I know. You know this. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Welcome to My Vagina. This is Jesse Karen. And this is Rebecca Frank. And here we are again, having our current historical, hysterical, and infuriating conversation about our lives as vagina-having organisms. <laughs> All content made up on the spot, but probably researched. Just kidding, fools. It's definitely researched. So the other day, this guy came into my bar. I had a few regulars and I was just chatting to them and he did that thing where he like got up and walked all the way to the other end of the bar and interrupted. <laughs> we were in the middle of a sentence and he just blurted something out to like mm -hmm. in, to be a part of it. And so we were like, okay, cool. Everyone turned their attention to this interrupting white man. Right, <laughs> right. Interrupting cisgender white man. Mm -hmm. Sure, you have this, the, the stand now. And then we kind of kept trying to go back to our conversation because he wasn't making too much sense either. Uh, and at one point, we were talking about my, one of our late, our last episodes, uh -huh. um, hysteria, the wandering uterus. And I was talking about how back in the day, Aristotle coined the term hysterica. And he essentially like kind of brought up the fact that the uterus wanders about the body and it makes women fucking crazy. It's just so funny. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny to hear it every single time that the uterus just gets up and walks around. Here ha -ha. I go. <laughs> Bye -bye. Got his little hobo sack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> la, la, la. I was talking about that and he interrupted me and he goes, well, the uterus does wander. And I stopped what I was doing and I looked slowly over at him and I went, no, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, it does. He was like, my wife's pregnant. And in my head, I was like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Here's the expert. Yeah, but actually. Uh, but actually. And he was like, well, you know, he was like, my wife's pregnant and I've been reading a lot of books. And I was like, okay, that's great. But the uterus doesn't wander. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, it moves. And I was like, it doesn't move, dude. Your wife is pregnant. So her uterus is getting larger to make room for the baby. And so the organs around it are moving. And he was like, I'm just saying I've read a lot of books about it. And I was like, are you a doctor? And he was like, no. And I was like, do you have a uterus? And he was like, no. And I was like, great. Stop fucking interrupting me. Yeah. And don't tell me about my body. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the spleen is kind of like eh, squeezing in there. Everyone else is squeezing in. The hips are opening. Stuff like that's happening. But the uterus is doing enough shit. It doesn't need to go on vacation also. You're a fool. You're yeah. a fool. Yeah. And then even in the beginning of the conversation, he said something. Uh, I can't remember what we were talking about, 
but it was about women. And he was like, yeah, I'm just really glad that women have learned how to say no. And me and the other girl looked over and uh. and, she, and the girl next to me was like, we've always said no. You just haven't listened. Yeah. And we were like, fuck, man, get out of here. Get out of here. Ugh, sit your fucking get ass the fuck down. out of here. It's just like your time is up. Yeah. yeah. Your time is up. <laughs> it just makes me so mad. It's just, just like a n- whole nother level of victim blaming of like all of this stuff is happening because women just didn't know how to do this. But yeah. now they've learned and probably he thinks men have taught them. Oh that would God. be my guess. And like there are there are moments where like men are need to be a part of the conversation. But like this was not that's I think the one of the biggest lessons is know what conversations you should be a part of and when you need to like sit the fuck down and be like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, or say or ask a question. Exactly. If he had been like, exactly. "Oh, I thought yeah. that the I would have been so much it was the presentation of it. If he had yeah. been like, "I he was like, "Oh, I read this book and I thought that it said that the uterus moved because of this." And I would have been like, "Oh, actually." Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's not that hard. Like I didn't do my fucking research. Like he just assumed that I didn't know what I was talking about. Right. And that that's the thing about it is like unless you're an expert, don't assume you're an expert. You're not a just doctor. Like, I mean, yeah. and I'm not either, but I have a fucking uterus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've done my due diligence. Yeah, you did the research. And it's like, he's, I just, that shit makes me so upset. It's just, I had this conversation with a friend of mine recently, which was such a wonderful conversation in which we were talking about this restaurant in New Orleans that had closed down because the owner of it had, uh, you know, been inappropriate with a few of the employees and think they brought a suit I don't know all the specifics about it but one of the things was that he was having these like rooftop pool parties and like topless or nude parties and I had mentioned this to my friend and he was like well it's not illegal to have a topless pool party or naked pool party right and I was like no it's not but you have to think about you know whether they were afraid they would lose their job if they didn't go Mm -hmm. and you know what he said he said that is a really good point fuck that guy yeah done oh my god you know give that man i'm gonna start carrying around ribbons yeah you know (laughs) yeah like that's how to be an ally like oh shit i didn't think about that exactly and like rather than try to make excuses he was just like wow you're right yeah fuck that dude and i feel like even if you don't think it's right like at least consider why you think it's wrong Mm -hmm. at least take a moment because i've noticed that like they just come at you immediately Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay but you're not even like listening to the possibility that I know more than you as a person walking around in this body. Right, right. It's like sometimes it really feels like you talk to somebody and they've come up with their next thing and it's like doesn't actually matter what you say, that thing is going to come out. Yeah. So that's at that point, that's not a conversation. That's yeah. not an exchange. That's just trying to learn a headache. Yeah. Tell me, what do you know of hysteria? Nothing. In its most severe forms, it demands drastic measures. Hi, today we are talking to April Davis of the Vagina Blog. We talk about birth, postpartum, maturation, and finding your orgasm. We Skyped her in, so if it sounds a little different, that's why. You will also hear some adorable coos coming from her kids because this woman is a straight-up boss who was working from home, took the time to talk to us, and you can occasionally hear her ripping open a snack and passing it to her kids as she casually walks through the house interviewing with us. Cool, I'm excited to do this uh, little vagina tasting course with you. That's I'm excited. Totally what we're calling the episode, yeah, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel great about that. I support it fully. <laughs> <laughs> um, first, can you tell us like how you got started? Like why what what's the vagina blog? So nutshell. I went to school for emergency medicine and also um 
visual tech. So, you know, photography, graphic design, videography, all that, and then also emergency medicine. Somehow I, I love both of those things deeply. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, you were talking, and I was like, that all makes sense. And I was like, wait, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to be on an ambulance. So I don't. I don't know. That's all I, you know, and so <laughs> I've met one other person that followed the same two career paths as me and we immediately bonded because I was like, there are other people like me that love medicine and like photography, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went on to work as a doula and a birth assistant to a nurse midwife and uh, really grew to love uh, childbirth and worked in home birth. Um, and also with her, um, because she's a nurse midwife, she was our NP at Planned Parenthood for quite a while as well and does still lots of gynecological care, not just birth. So it was a unique experience in that, you know, I not only learned about birth, but also about the whole realm of gynecology, you know, even if it was just little snippets of it, I've also always really been fascinated in a lot of this stuff. So mm. I had that natural curiosity, got to work with her on this. In the meantime, I, and still do work for several other blogs, um, as a writer, a photographer, like uh, food photography, something I do in my other life yeah. quite a bit, you know, so so between those two realms, you know, <laughs> really fell in love with this type of stuff and uh, just haven't been able to kind of do the on call thing. Like I was, you know, I was working quite a bit on call and I just can't currently, it's just too much to be on call all the time. And yeah. so kind of had to retire. You are on call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just heard a call right there. I had to, uh, I don't know, bring it home if you will. Mm-hmm. And with all that, just kind of decided to, um, take all this information and put it somewhere. Yes. So that's the vagina blog. Cool. I mean, it's really awesome to be able to take all these things that you love and just be like, because they do like in the offset when you're talking about it, it seems they're like they're on two different spectrums, but you can totally Mm -hmm. because then you can have creative control and put it all together and yeah, and like present it to people in a way that nobody else is doing, which is fantastic. That's what I and that's what I really wanted to try to do. I wanted to build a platform that was really approachable and really friendly and um not overly X-rated or, you know, and bring some humor into it and be very educational. I wanted to be, uh, and just showcase to some of the products out there because I can't, I mean, every person I meet on the street, I'm like, have you tried a menstrual cup? And they're like, who are you? And why, why are we talking about this? We just met. That's weird. So I need to find my people. Yeah. (laughs) We're over here. We're right here. God, I love the Diva Cup changed my fucking life. Uh, right? Oh my God. So I'm at Walmart 15 years ago mm-hmm. and I'm looking it up in the corner on the top shelf, like tucked away was like a box of soft cups. Yeah. And I was like, what is that? Oh, I love soft cups. So first I, yes. <sighs> bottom, brought them home. My roommates were like, you're going to do what with that? No, you can't put that in your vagina. That's a terrible idea. And you're like, watch me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and then you're like, this is the best thing ever. Why are we using it? Because I hate tampons, you guys. I just, if nothing else, wanted to build a a platform called I Hate Tampons. And here's all the reasons why. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah. I know they really work for some people, but for me, they're so uncomfortable. I just, peeing on the string. 
Just yeah. that right there where you're like, no, mm -mm, yeah. no, I can't. Yeah. I, I, that. And then when you forget that they're in and you wipe and yeah. you yank them a little, mm -hmm, nope. Or they mm -mm. get stuck up your butt, the strings. Yes. Get stuck up your butt. It's yeah. Sometimes you have to go searching for them. I've lost my strings before. Who did I say that to before? <laughs> I, was, I was talking to some, I think I was talking to somebody and there was a guy at the table and I was like, I was like, you know, sometimes you like get poop on them and then you have to take it out and like change a new one. Ooh. And they were like, ew, gross. And I was like, what? bitch, it's complicated having a, like, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you don't remember to tuck the string in and you're at the gym yeah. stretching and your tampon string is just hanging out. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Not that that's happened yeah. to me. It's totally happened <laughs> to me. <laughs> or in a swimsuit, too. Yeah. And, you're like, mm -hmm. and like, they're not good for you. Mm -mm. So, like, let's get away from them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel way less bad if I like left my diva cup in for a little bit extra time. Like, I always felt oh, yeah. like I've fallen asleep in tampons and woken up and been like, "Oh my god, TSS." Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like really, really, because I I have personally known people who've gotten toxic shock. Really, and I so haven't. it stresses wow. me out that much more because I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it's real." Like that really does happen to people. It's bad news. It's yeah. life threatening. I think it's in the the staff infection family, if I remember right, and it's okay. you're essentially poisoning yourself with your own old blood. Oh, good times. Speaking of that, can you talk to us about pessaries? I saw that on your you know, bio. Yes. So I have limited knowledge. I'm going to be totally cool. it's, honest. It's really those. hard to find good information because I was trying to come up with questions about pessaries because Jesse had mentioned it and I was trying to go into it and figure it out. And honestly, when I wrote it on my Word document and I pluralized it, anyway, yeah. it under it underlined it like as if I'd spelled it wrong. Most women don't even know what those are, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I threw them in there as a conversation piece with my bio because I, I wanted this to come up because uh, a lot of women don't know about pelvic floor rehabilitation yeah. after they have kids, especially. Mm -hmm. And a pessary can be a fantastic tool in helping with that rehabilitation or just to maintain, right, after. Yeah. Um, a lot of people suffer from uh, pro temporary prolapse when they're menstruating. So even things like a cup or a disc can act as a pessary when oh. you're on your period. So, cause I know for me, after the birth of my third child, um, I, I got really bad uh, prolapse on my period for the first year postpartum. Mm. And it was so nice to pop in a disc or pop in a cup if I was feeling up for it. And feel supported, you know, feel yeah. like everything wasn't falling out of me. Cause that first couple periods, I felt like I was like sitting on a beach ball. Like I had like a, it was weird yeah. and it was just, and a lot of uh, people believe that they have to live that way. And that's just not true. Or that the only option for them is to go in and have this massive reconstructive surgery and have mesh put in. And that's not true either. There is so many steps before that. Ooh to fixing your pelvic floor mm -hmm. um, before you have to resort to doing something that in depth. Yeah, yeah. It like, it just, I mean, talking about postpartum, I feel like it falls, it falls into that whole thing of the miracle of birth that we don't go into the details of it. And we certainly do not support women in like the fourth trimester, you know, like mm -mm. after, after everything, like, I don't even think that a lot of people understand that what there is one. Yeah. That there is one. And that like yeah. postpartum is a, is a word that encompasses a lot of different things. You know? Oh yeah. Well, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's mental. It, it is not just a six week recovery after you have a baby yeah. and all of a sudden it's fine. That's yeah. not, 
it's kind of weird that we have like as a society like have that idea that you're just like done like the baby's out so like you're fine mm-hmm. like, but I think that is overall what we think and and if you think about it rationally that's insane you yeah. just pushed a you body built, out and you <laughs> built it oh, yeah. so like yeah. you're just depleted you know I mean that's and you know I I was struck by I read a couple of the um posts on your blog about postpartum and just I was really struck by a theme that I saw which was which was women who were like, I didn't even think about how I needed to tend to my own body while I was also learning to care for a newborn Mm -hmm. or like another newborn and balance that. Um, And what, like, what would be some of your advice or your experience in terms of kind of like being able to do those things, being able to tend to yourself and also. Um, So a couple of great things that I learned working as a doula, well, especially as a birth assistant, I remember I went to a birth and it was a Canadian woman and this was her first childbirth here in the United States. And one thing that I love that a lot of midwives do that we did was we went over postpartum instructions. So we basically had a printout put together that they, we left with them and we'd like put it on their fridge so they would see it regularly that had, you know, here's what you need to do to take care of you. Cause I feel like especially even in the hospital, you get sent home with a lot of instructions on how to take care of a baby. Mm -hmm. And that's if you have a good hospital, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times they're not really giving you in-depth instructions on how to take care of yourself other than like, make sure you spray yourself down and change your pad. Uh, You know, (laughs) we need more than that, right? Yeah. Also like, you're not a fucking, like a cow, (laughs) you know? (laughs) No. (laughs) these instructions of this Canadian woman and she's like you keep saying the phrase six weeks I'm confused what do you mean by six weeks and I was like well yeah at six weeks you should be able to resume in her course and at six weeks you should be able to go back to work and she was like what do you what she's like no in Canada it's 12 weeks why is it only six oh my weeks God. here like they don't let women come back to work until they're 12 weeks postpartum here we had women who had like two weeks were like so can i go back to like class and stuff now i have things yeah like throw a diaper on smack them on the ass or out the door get back to work it's insane what we're asking of women here it is absolutely crazy and like same with i mean you cross the pond over into the uk germany everything they're like eight months postpartum i'll think about going back to work maybe. yeah maybe <laughs> Yeah, maybe a year, which is so, you know, I, I have a good friend in Germany and talking to her, I was like, oh my gosh, you're so spoiled. But then I was like, no, you're not spoiled. We have a problem. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. not doing a good job in the United States. It sh- should be a year. We should have a year. Yeah, absolutely. It takes almost a year to build that shit, you know? Oh, really though? Yeah. Really? It's really like so much to ask of someone to say like, okay, it's been six weeks. Yeah, you're done. I, I went back to work full time at six weeks after my first daughter was born and it rocked my world. And I was adamant that I was going to breastfeed. So I was pumping like crazy and doing, all, and I look back and I'm like, the only way I survived that is because I was young. Yeah. Like that's all I had going for me was my youth and like just... <laughs> stubborn youthfulness because <laughs> and who knows what kind of damage that did to my body long term right exactly that's what I was about to say then we think about like what does that do going forward if we have don't have knowledge about pessaries and if people are rushing back to work and not taking steps to heal themselves what happens when you're 70 years old and packing you like you're a fucking carriage horse here just put a bandage on it yeah and that's what's frustrating is like after surviving my pregnancies too I'm like what did this do to my body I'm tired yeah. and I'm worn out more now than I can ever even imagine. Like yeah. what, what damage has been done, you what know? Is- and I, 
Cause I mean, that was the hard thing. So with my, I have HG while I'm pregnant, so I can't keep food down. And my entire first pregnancy, I had person after person like, Oh, are you just not like handling it? Well, like, oh. are you just not strong enough to like handle your pregnancy? Because that's the attitude that we've oh adopted. God, it's I the same with like, <laughs> even unmedicated childbirth. It's like, Oh, well, I'm a big tough woman. Can I, Cause I can do that. No, no. this is not a competition. No, it's not a competition and everybody handles it differently. And that's not how we should expect women to just like, oh, suck it up. Oh, my God. And it's like at the same time, it's like you look at societal expectations and you look at, you know, women losing on their like working really hard and then losing on their career because they have a kid and, and pregnancy and childbirth being seen as a disability and as opposed to like a normal course of women's health care. And, yes. and then it's like, of course, the pressure is to get right back to work and get back into it and be like, that doesn't phase me. And start I'm having cool. sex right off the bat. Ouch. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> the frustrating thing that I have found is it's it's not just men perpetuating this. It's other women. Oh, We're putting sure. this on each other. And ew. Like, yeah. why? Why can't we just love each other? Which uh, is something else, too, like. With the vagina blog, like I remember I was having a discussion in a, a group of editors for uh, another blog and we were talking about sex toys and it was really interesting because one of them was like, well, I just don't think it's appropriate to talk about that and I don't need those. And I was like, okay, cool. That's Let's fine. Let's pretend for a second that I did need them. Yeah. Yeah. Or want them. Why can you at just the very be happy least? for me having good orgasms? Yeah. yeah. Like, why do we have to be weird and judgy about stuff? Yeah. Like, just be like, do you, girl? Get, yeah. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Get those batteries. Yes. Amen and hallelujah. You know, so <laughs> frustrates me as I'm like, why can't we just be educated and happy and applauding what we can do, you know, mm-hmm. and supporting each other. Yeah. I think that we're so trained to see things as like a deficiency. Right. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. like to find deficiencies in other people and to fit it into whatever narrative has been foisted upon us. And then to be like, well, if you're not doing like this specific thing, then obviously there's something wrong with you. Oh, yeah. Which is yeah. which is even more reinforced by how limited our speech is about these sorts of topics, how we're shut down and things like that. Which is so much of the reason that I wanted to do the vagina blog is I just felt like we really, really needed to have that conversation mm-hmm. and someone needed to start it and be talking about it, you know? Yeah. Right about here was when her toddler started crying because that's what they do. And she walked outside and closed the door and we were in tears about the honesty of it. <laughs> I'm not going outside oh my pushing God, my children. That it's was fine. Amazing. <laughs> oh, that's that's like mom goals for me. Oh, you're crying. I'm just gonna walk outside and let you figure that out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's gonna be totally fine. Oh, he's gonna live. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah, my mom used to go on vacation. Yeah. And me and my sister were fighting. She'd be like, I'm going on vacation. She would just get in her car and leave. We were fine. Yeah. But we were giving her a fucking headache. My mom just said cowgirl up. She'd walk by me and be like, get it together. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I approve of this. Yeah. Now, maybe not as a kid, but right? I, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> it's important. so true. There was something else I was going to tell you about. Oh, I know what it was. So we had a handful of births that really stood out to me. And it was like, we, we did one and she was from somewhere in Central America and I loved it. So we got to her house, we got all set up. She was laboring while all the women in her family just started showing up at her house. 
Mm-hmm. And like mom went into the kitchen and started cooking and then sisters started showing up and started cooking and they were cleaning and they were putting the house together and they were getting everything done. And by the time she delivered, they had like all these meals prepared for her. They had all this, they had this special like soup that they make women right after they deliver because they believe that you should only eat warm food for 40 days and that you should stay down for 40 days. And so your whole tribe shows up to take care of you, to take care of your family, to feed you, to keep you warm. And it really stood out to me because I was just realized like, this is how we're supposed to treat Mm -hmm. women. Yeah. It's not like the miracle of childbirth until the child comes out and then like fend for your fucking self. We follow someone on Instagram who you might really like. I think her handle is Dula Jenny Silva. And Mm -hmm. she has posted about that exact thing about the whole all of the women coming together and about a bath being drawn at the 40 day mark so for those first 40 days the mother's only the new mother's only responsibility is to care for the infant and then or to care for herself and then everyone else helps to care with the baby and then at at the end of the 40 days they take this this like rejuvenating bath and that's when people kind of start being like okay now you know we'll back out a little bit and you can start you can like move forward I don't know obviously all of the like cultural significance and specifics to it but it's just so it's so beautiful you deserve a break yeah and to be taken care of (laughs) yeah oh absolutely yeah swaddle me (laughs) right yes yes well that's um one of the reasons a lot of people love the tradition of belly binding is because it it is almost like being swaddled like it's very comforting it's very um centering yeah you know and so there is I feel like there's there's some ancient wisdom here that we need to tap into culturally. And I think it's starting, like we're getting there and we're starting to do that, but we can always be doing better. What is belly binding? Have you heard of that? No, I've never heard of it. It's really cool. Um, It's a a practice where they go through with strips of fabric and they go through and bind up your belly after you deliver. Um, And like I said, it's not even so that you'll fit back into jeans. It's more of a a centering practice. It's like being swaddled as a mother. It's to help all of your organs go back into place. Mm -hmm. It's to help your uterus shrink down. Like your ab muscles to reconnect again. Yeah. Because things kind of like move apart a little bit. Right. Yeah. So everything can kind of heal and everyone I've known that has done it has loved it. And I always wanted to and just never... I never did it with any of mine and I wish I would have. I mean, I didn't even have a baby and that already sounds comforting to me (laughs) to like wrap my core up. (laughs) My girlfriend just had a baby and she's like, I had no idea. Why do we not talk about this? How did nobody tell me that this is what it's like? You know, that she was like, I'm constantly going between feeling like I am this. I have no independence that I'm like this food dispensary. And then I have these moments of pure joy and utter like. love of this thing that I created and that's okay and there's like shame wrapped around in that yeah it's a weird thing because you're like crying and controlledly but you're like I've never been so happy (laughs) because I'm so tired yeah Yeah. (laughs) and that's only the beginning again like to come back to the same thing that we have this idea of like the beauty of motherhood and it should be this like completely selfless act and you should give yourself up to it. And I feel like part of the reason that there's not more conversation between people is like what you said, that there's a shame associated with feeling like a loss of independence or or falling into a depression or having a sadness or maybe some anger. Like th- there's a lot of hormones happening and a lot of changes and it's a completely new thing. And it's it's just crazy to me that it would be that we would expect people to just be like, you're done. Yeah, on a cloud. It's fucking hard. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so much. And I, so one of my very, very best friends just had her first baby. And it's so hard because I'm even in a position where it's like, do you tell him everything? How much do you tell him? You don't want to scare him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but- <laughs> like you want them to be prepared, but you don't want them to run for the hills. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think it is really important to give people the space to pave their own way in motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, how I do things, I never want to shove that down someone's throat. I always want them to feel safe. Like, well, you breastfed, but I've decided to formula feed or you um, did binkies and I have chosen not to do binkies or, you know, like yeah. those types of things at the time feel so important. And now that I have so much space away from them, I'm like, why was I obsessing about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but postpartum haze, everything's obsessive. And so you have to be so delicate and careful with people as they're going through that because yeah. you feel isolated anyway. And then if you feel judgment on top of it yeah. from anybody, it just is so hard, yeah. you know? Are there some things that you like definitely tell people that you're like, you should know this, be prepared? Uh, oh, for sure. Uh, that first poop after you have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is the scariest childbirth. Be prepared. Really? Why? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Well, especially if you had stitches. So here's yeah. the thing that no one tells you. <laughs> yes. We're yeah. ready. Uh, especially. So epidurals are derived from, like, cocaine, right? Mm-hmm. They like cause constipation. Okay. Yeah. So and then they you get stitches a lot of times after you deliver a baby, right? Mm-hmm. So you're constipated oh, no. and you've got stitches. <gasps> no. No. Oh no. So when so they, they still softer, you say yes. And then you take it and you take all the other oh <laughs> and then you drink God. all the water and all the apple juice and all the things. I feel like that got better with each kid, but that first one was terrifying because you're like, everything I'm hurts on there. Yeah. I'm gonna pop a bitch. I can't do this. Like this yeah. is and like you like need a doula for that that first one because no one's doula. there coaching you and telling you you're gonna be okay. Oh my god. Yeah. You need a pooping doula. <laughs> Oh my God. If I ever have a kid, I'm just going to be like, somebody has to be in this bathroom with me, like coaching me through this. This is why having a partner is a really great. Look me in the eyes. Yeah, exactly. Look me in the eyes when I'm doing it. Yes. So, because I mean, and that's a real thing. Not everyone ends up with stitches and not everyone ends up terribly constipated. Because, like I said, I do feel like with my unmedicated, I wasn't nearly as constipated. I did have a bowel much sooner after I delivered and it wasn't nearly as traumatic. But with my first, it was <laughs> so traumatic. Wow. <laughs> well, Jessie, it's right up there with the childbirth. I'll be your, I'll be your poop. Doula. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna make her just. <laughs> I need you guys to support each other in this, but like, look really... at me. Don't look at it. Look at me. <laughs> the other thing that I tell people too is breastfeeding is overwhelming because when you first have a baby, their stomach is like this big. Yeah. And so they have to eat like every other hour. Mm. And a lot of people I think get scared of breastfeeding because they're like, I can't do this Mm -hmm. for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And it feels like this is the rest of your life because having this kid is the rest of your life. So everything else about it feels very permanent, which can be really overwhelming. And so I try to explain to people like those first four months postpartum, breastfeeding's weird. You have to nurse them all the time. You should nurse them all the time. It sucks. But if you can get over that hump, yeah, it's the best. Yeah. And it's really hard for some women. I think we also don't talk about that, like the latching and and that it's not mm-hmm. just like you're not just born with this knowledge of how to do it. 
Like someone needs no, to help you. No, it is the weirdest thing in the world. You're like, hey, screaming baby, let's put my nipple in your mouth. It'll be yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fun no, for everyone. <laughs> Nothing it, feels weirder. Yeah. Uh, my friend is breastfeeding and she like, um, as he started to get like a little bit bigger, there would be times where she'd be like, but I just, I just fed you because it like amps up. Oh, yeah. It amps mm-hmm. up and they start to do it in yep. less and less time. Ooh, yep. That would scare me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And that's the thing. So like at three weeks, they go through a growth spurt. And yeah. so you have to feed them around the clock for a couple of days and then it ups your milk supply. Yeah. And then it goes back to normal. And then at six weeks, they go through a growth spurt. And then it, you know, and so if you're just kind of a little bit mentally prepared for this idea of like, I'm going to have to nurse them around the clock during growth spurts. Mm-hmm. Like I'm telling you four months, if you can make it through the four months, nurse them on demand for the four months. After that, it's a breeze. By then you fixed it, the latching issues, you fixed it, but it's, it's four months. Okay. It's not six weeks. It's See, not two weeks. That's you when know? you like sit your partner down and you're like, listen, for the next mm-hmm. four months, I don't want to hear a goddamn peep from you. <laughs> when I, mean, I ask really, for something, you give it to me. Children that we made. Keep them quiet too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and especially, um, I think for a lot of people too, they, you know, they, they want to be able to share some of that. But when it comes down to it, breastfeeding's on you. Yeah. So yeah. you got to share everything else and you got to let people take care of you. I feel like that's actually the hardest thing yeah. mm-hmm. is allowing yourself to be cared for. Yeah. Women are not good at it. Yeah, because we're They're like not- caretakers and it's really hard to switch that role and feel like you're not failing somehow. How long does it take mm-hmm. for like animals to evolve? Like a bird gets new wings, right? Because I'm going like ahead like a few thousand years where men start to lactate. And I'm hoping that that's a thing one day in the future. Yeah. <laughs> I remember in a very black, tied, tired state, staring up at my husband at his nipples and being like, he has nipples. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> if why they're there, can, can we put them to work? <laughs> yeah, they're like the gallbladder, you know, or like the appendix. They're useless. They're useless. <laughs> <laughs> With all that being said, too, um, I had a good friend of mine. She had three kids. She was able to nurse all of them. No big deal. She had her fourth, and nursing was nothing but a battle. Oh. And I love um, the French parenting mentality is that you treat the health of the whole family. Like, yeah. it's not yeah. – the kids are not prioritized, and the parents are sacrificing themselves for the children. Yeah. It's the health of the whole family. And I remember her just being so upset because nursing was so hard. And at that point, it's like, if you're suffering, your baby's suffering and your other kids are suffering because you're having to spend so much time on you and this baby and the nursing's not working. Yeah. Guess what? Lots of kids survive on bottles and they really do. Yeah. 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 And this is why I just, I can't, I'm not home birth or diet. I'm not breastfeeding or diet. I'm not any of these things or diet. You have to decide what's best for you and your entire family. Yeah. And I mean, like, if we look back to like how it's ebbed and flown, flown in, ebbed and flown, ebbed and flowed in terms of like, uh, what, what's prep, what's preferred breastfeeding or formula. And for a really long time, people were like, you can't give your baby everything through your breast, through breast milk. And there, and people were shamed for breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. You know, and all of that was just about formula companies making money, right? It's all about you always have to follow the money because that's what it's about. But it's we're so in the habit of always like of being so this or nothing Mm -hmm. that we can't understand that there's a spectrum of what what works for the person and what works for the baby too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and what's what's working for your mental health? It is okay if you are suffering mentally and cannot live your life because you're having to get up every two hours to feed a baby. 
it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to call your partner and it's okay to switch to formula and say, I can't, I can't, I'm not doing well. If, if breastfeeding is important to you, yeah, fight it for, uh, give it the good fight. Yeah. But so know when to call it quits. And yeah. I think that's the hardest part about being a mom is picking your battles, mm-hmm. you know, and knowing which ones are worth fighting and which ones are worth being like, you know what, this is not working. Because you have to put your mask on first. You do. And I I just cannot preach that gospel enough. Yeah. You have to put your oxygen mask on first. And if you're not doing well, everyone's going to suffer. Your husband's going to say, yeah, your, your partner's going to suffer. You're going to suffer. I think those are important things to keep in mind is, and it's the same even with like a birth plan. Go in with the birth plan. I feel so strongly that the reason you write a birth plan is not to map out exactly how things are going to go. It's to get educated about all your options Mm -hmm. because putting that birth plan together means that you're researching whether or not you want Pitocin or whether or not you want your baby to have, um, vitamin K after it's born or whether you're not, you know? Yeah. And then you do the, your homework and you hire a care provider that's going to honor your, your decisions. And also, if those decisions have to change is going to make the ones that you want. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's motherhood in general. Everything's going to change in yeah. that moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, and that's exactly right. Yeah. That you need an advocate and you need someone that cares about how you feel and you'll be able to feel that and how they treat you. I think a lot of women get started with one doctor or midwife and then they feel like they can't switch. Mm-hmm. No, you can fire your doctor. You can fire your midwife. You can switch yeah. at any time up until you're having the baby. You know, yeah, it's all about you and like your health and the health of the baby. And if you don't feel comfortable and if you're stressed, that's going to add to a more dangerous delivery. Totally. And if you don't feel like you trust this person, you're certainly not going to be okay with them cutting you. Yeah. Yeah. Like for the decision on episiotomy, I want to be in a situation where whoever's going to be doing that episiotomy is really honestly doing it because they have to. Mm -hmm. I don't want them doing it for their own convenience or because that's just the way they do things. Yeah. So that's a conversation to have before you're pushing baby out of you you know <laughs> yeah because you really don't want a sneaky episomati episomati oh no i'm gonna it? keep watching this oh <laughs> that's a really hard word i've never tried to say episiotomy episiotomy yes. yeah you don't want a sneaky one of those <laughs> for fuck's sake a sneaky episomati <laughs> oh you do not and you yeah you want to be absolutely necessary, you know, because you guys, there is still plenty of doctors out there that just believe that women need episiotomies in order to have babies. I think we're probably going to wrap up soon, but we wanted to hear a little bit more about your vagina blog if you have anything else. So it's, I mean, I try to cover everything like, like we were talking, birth is a big one. Um, sex is a big one. We talk mm-hmm. a lot about sex and intimacy, talk quite a bit about periods and yeah. menstruation. We talk a lot about maturation and how to talk to your kids about sex I and periods. I that part. Though, that's though, super it, important. So good. This great entry from November of 2016 called All the Things You Should Know About Maturation. And it was really one of the things that struck me the most about it was uh, the messaging that goes to boys and girls about puberty and how their bodies are going to change and how boys are celebrated and girls are shamed and how changing that messaging can lead to such better outcomes for girls because you're not overcoming that the rest of your life because look look at all of us that are having to overcome this Mm -hmm. I, i mean can you in a world where we were all just as excited to go through puberty as the boys were. Oh, I wish. No. Right? Yeah, because it's everyone's always like, oh, it's gross, you know? It's like, fuck off. 
Well, and that's one of the things I love because I've had the opportunity to teach maturation is you know, always I have a mom ask, like, when should we when should we start letting them shave? Mm-hmm. And so I always introduce the idea, like, you know, you don't have to shave, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This minds and they're wait what and i'm like guys like you don't have to shave unless you feel like it. i yeah. know we're american i know culturally we've been shown nothing yeah. but hairless yeah. women mm-hmm. but the tides are changing and i was like and if you go to europe half the women there don't shave yeah it's just a, it's just whether they want to or not yeah and it's not like attached to your sexiness yes so we those are conversations we just have to have yeah we have to keep fixing yeah instead of when do I shave? It's if you decide to shave, here's mm-hmm. how you would do it. Yeah. It's like yeah. about your choice. And if they ask and like we had a sex therapist mm-hmm. on a few months ago and because I, I, I've thought about this a lot, not having kids, but like if I ever do and I've had mm-hmm. people ask this, like, when do you start talking to your kids about these things? And I love what she said where she was like, when they start asking. And I was yep. like, yeah, like, why does there have to be an age or a time period? If they start asking you things, answer them as if they're, you know, like they need to know the rightful information, Yep. you know, accurate. That you're being weird. If you're like, Ooh, we don't talk about that. Yeah. Like yeah. stop telling kids that storks brought babies. Oh, for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. 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 No. That doesn't help anybody. And they're going to naturally want to know how mm-hmm. your friend got pregnant or what's in her belly or how did the baby get in there? Or, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to ask those types of questions and, it's really important to just answer them right there. Just as if you would answer someone being like, how did you get a bug bite? Yeah. Right. Well, here, arm, the bug bit me and now I have venom under my skin and it's caused a bump. Yeah. yeah. You got to You got to answer it exactly same without skipping a beat because, and something I tell people too, one of the best ways to practice that is to have those types of discussions with your partner. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how many messages I've gotten from women who are like, I don't really know how to start the discussion with my husband about sex. What discussion? What? what? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. That's, I'm like, what do you, what do you like? Well, I just, I need to talk to him because I don't really like how this is happening or I don't have a, my libido is a mess or I don't really feel like it after having two kids or I've, I've only orgasmed twice in our entire marriage. Oh my God. And I, yeah, these are real discussions I'm having every single day with women all over the globe. Yeah, and I'm like, you need to go on a date night and you need to talk about sex when you when you aren't having it. Yeah, because that's that's this is another thing that I love to preach. One of my frustrations is a lot of people they're either not talking about it or it's coming up at eleven o'clock at night right. when someone has an erection. Right, right. When it's that's not a good not time a good to time. have a discussion about your sex life. Yeah. It's a terrible idea. You need to talk about your sex life when you're not having sex. Mm -hmm. That's when that discussion needs to happen. And it needs to happen somewhere away from your kids, somewhere away from all your life where you can actually talk about it. And then you need to talk about solutions too. And that might look like going to a sex therapist or buying a toy or going away for a weekend, you know? Mm -hmm. I I mean, I I think as as women too, like there's this level of fear in terms of like not being supported or having them take it the wrong way or or even totally. getting angry or mad or like leaving mm-hmm. like, you know or having your feelings hurt yeah yeah you know you don't want to hurt someone's feelings yeah but oh, but it shouldn't be about hurting right, the feelings and that's not. the th- but you're right like i'm i've definitely been in a relationship where i'm like oh i don't want to hurt his feelings and make him feel like it's about him it's not like that you're doing something wrong it's just how it works for you two together but you can see how having this discussion would make you in a much much better position to talk to your kids about it Right. Yeah. yeah that yeah, makes right. total sense. 
Because if you can't even talk to your partner openly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How are you going to talk to your children? And how are how are they going to do that when they grow up and start having sex? So you want to give them the tools to have the proper conversations as when they when they become adults and have sex yeah. or teenagers. As women too, we're taught that like we're not taught at all about female pleasure. There's no. usually just never a discussion about it. And so the thing that I have been trying to push is that you have to own your own orgasm. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that looks like telling someone if they're not helping you get there. Yeah. It's not their job. It's your job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just expect your partner to know what they're doing because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, also everybody's different. Totally. You also said something about bra fittings and I didn't get a bra fitting done until I was in my thirties. What? Yeah. Yeah, my friend was getting married and she needed to get a like a bra for her wedding dress. And she was like, why don't you come and you could try one on? And I was like most women wearing the completely wrong size forever. Which is back to that when your daughter turns 12, even if it is wildly unnecessary, you take her to a department store or Vicky's and have them do a bra fitting because mm-hmm. you want to set up that like, when we go buy, buy bras, we get measured every time just to see what size we are. Yeah. That's yeah. how we buy the right bra. So it's comfortable and, for and you. Yes. So it does and also job. introduce that idea too, again, of like, and you don't have to wear one unless you want to. Yeah. Just so you know. So you have the tools. Like if you ever want to get a bra, this is what you should yep. do. But if you don't want to wear one, should... that's cool too. <laughs> you don't have to wear one either. That's because I, I think that's so, so, so important that we just kind of introduce these ideas, not as like, this is what we have to do as women. <laughs> mind-blowing yeah. <laughs> mind-blowing let's fix it let's raise the next generation better yeah let's talk openly let's get our orgasms yeah let's get our orgasms and let's stop shaving our armpits can we please because it is so much better <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on this was awesome. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm sorry I was so late. No, it's okay. <laughs> That's totally fine. Girl, you are busy. Yeah, we see those kids. We see the vagina blog. We see you working. I love it. You're that's it's awesome. Can you plug all of your stuff so everyone can find you? Yes. Yeah, so come find me over at the vaginablog.com. I think we probably have the most fun over on Instagram for sure. That's where my most, most of my energy action and engagement and stuff goes. So mm-hmm. check me out at Instagram at the vagina blog. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and you can find me over there. So sweet. Awesome. Vagina, 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 vagina. And she has a great uh, book club, a bunch of reading recommendations, which we love. So <laughs> go over there and check it out. Thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. Yeah. Well, thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we did too. <laughs> thank you for taking time out. Yeah. We'll see you later. Bye. It's my vagina. Sit down. No, that is my vagina in the photo. No, it's my vagina. No. Thank you, Maeve. Settle down, please. You're both wrong. It's my vagina. It it cannot be all your vaginas. I also have a vagina. Well, congratulations. Please sit down. It's my vagina. Enough. It's Thank my you. vagina. I understand what you are all it trying to do. It is my to. vagina. You don't have a vagina. You do not have a vagina in the same way that I do not have a vagina. It's my vagina. Please, would you all just it's sit my down? It's my vagina. So, uh, yeah, so basically Jesse just sent me this thing so we could go through and, and make, you know, talk about funny slang words for clitoris. Uh, and 
half of the words are blurred out mm-hmm. because apparently um FOSTA SESTA has gotten here too and these are deemed inappropriate words yep and love button love button is one of them that's insane that's so crazy <sighs> all right so we are going to just list off some fun words for the clitoris you start from the butt I'll start from the top okay cool node baby toe bozo nose thimble bliss button cunt knuckle baby toe Fweak. Nature's Rubik's Cube. Little Man in the Boat. Fuck Button. Turkey Gobbler. Taco Berry. Clitosaurus. Penis. Jilling Off. Pussy Pearl. Clit Eater. How can that... Be? Okay. Snatchcock. Poon Tongue. Uh, bean Flicker. Twat Balls. Pink Pearl of Love. <laughs> Click Clock. Click Crotch. Click Cock. Crotch Nipple. Meat Bean. Cup the Puss. Cunt Nipple. <laughs> Click Coat. Cherry Chapstick. Fuck Bead. Playing DJ. Slug Slapper. Hooded prawn. Happy button. Velvet Melvin. Uh, Richie? <laughs> Ziploc. Spam beam. Incognitoris. Fweak. <laughs> Meat canoe. Magic button. Did it. Nailed it. Awesome. Nailed it. <laughs> Crushed it. Thanks for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. It's time for us to slide on out of here. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Welcome to My Vagina. On Twitter at Welcome to My Vag. Soon to be on Medium. You can donate to us at Patreon, LiberaPay, PayPal, and uh, Venmo at Welcome to My Vagina. Yeah, become a monthly subscriber. Yeah, yeah, go to welcometomyvagina.com and become a subscriber to our newsletter as mm-hmm. well. You can email us at welcometomyvagina at gmail.com. We like questions and fan art and jingles and suggestions for future episodes. True. Check out Jesse's awesome videos at on YouTube. Just search for Welcome to My Vagina. Check out Rebecca's awesome writing at franklyrebecca.com. And head on over to morebanana.com to check out all of the awesome projects by our production company. Yeah. And thanks, Kate. Thanks, Kate, for being our amazing, dope-ass fucking producer. <laughs> cool.